but yeah, you know, as things went along, I was playing, I got the, I was playing more and more. So sometimes it became stressful, but yeah, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was fulfilling, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, it's a challenge, but at the end it's uh, you know, worth it. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. My guest on this episode is saxophonist Leland Baker. In our interview, we cover so much of his career, including his time studying music in New Orleans and at the University of Rhode Island, connecting with Quarterwater in New York City, how he founded his teaching program, Bridging Gaps, and of course, all the jazz projects that he's working on. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please subscribe wherever you're listening right now, as I'll be releasing some more pieces from our conversation over the next few weeks. And make sure to follow Where the Living Room Used to Be on Instagram and Facebook, Uh, to see some photos and show flyers from Leland's time in music. Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Pawtucket. Um, Most of my family's from Providence, from Rhode Island. And so music was around. Music was around a lot. I mean, my mom, I grew up with my mom. And, um, you know, a lot of the music I heard in the house was like R&B, classic R&B. Yeah, okay. You know, stuff from the 60s, like Motown. um, Nice, yeah. You know, many other artists who weren't part of that record label Motown. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, um, yeah, R&B, soul. And then obviously growing up in the 90s, uh, you know, hip hop and even the R&B during that time. Um, so those okay. are kind cool. of the main main constant influences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I didn't really get into music until um, high school. Uh, until, you know, in terms of playing the saxophone. Okay. Yeah. What drew you to the saxophone? Man, I um, at that point, I always thought I was going to be a pilot. I wanted to be a pilot, so oh, okay. Um, yeah, once I got into high school, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go to to college or or the uh, Air Force. My uncle was trying to talk me into that. Yeah, but uh, but music, like I said, was always a big part of something that connected and felt good every time I heard it. Mm-hmm. And then I heard a cat by the name of Junior Walker. Um, okay. Yeah, he was he was on the Motown uh, record label. He was a sax player and a uh, vocalist. Yep. And he had a band called um, it's Junior Walker and the All Stars. And uh, you know, I always thought, if anything, I would try to sing or be a vocalist, which I know I can't sing. So <laughs> when I heard the sax, it sounded the closest, you know, um, to the voice. You know, the way yep. he man- the way he manipulated it, uh, he manipulated it like a vocalist. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Immediately, I went into um, school the next day and asked my uh, uh, music teacher at the time. And she was like, yeah, I mean, we have a small band program. Um, and uh, she's like, what sax do you want to play? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'll put it on. If you can tell me what he's playing, then that's what I want to play. Yeah, and, OK. Like you were that specific. You were like, I want to play that saxophone, that, you know. Like, that's that. right, right. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I knew nothing, so I didn't know they were multiple are there are there more than ones yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. so uh so that was the tenor he was playing and i started yeah. on alto alto sax and then eventually um i got to tenor saxophone okay that was that was that was the beginning of that yeah 
So <clears throat> you were studying in high school. That's where you first learned how to play the sax, like in band class. Yeah. And, uh, um, and yeah. where did you go to school? I went to uh, St. Ray's, St. Raphael Academy. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Private Catholic school. Um, and yeah, I was like, I, didn't, I think I was 14 when I started playing. Um, okay. And the teacher, the, the program, music program is a year old. Oh, all right. Prior, prior to me getting there. So they didn't really have too much, but um, taking my interest and then a few other students after me um, showed interest in a uh, jazz program. They eventually built one. Um, yeah. So it was cool to see that, you know, I was part of the, the beginnings of that Absolutely. Uh, jazz yeah. program, you know, and it was, and the, and the music director there at the time was a huge, huge uh, uh, help in the support system. So um, I definitely give her credit for, for uh, helping me, you know, push along and, and, and actually um, pursue music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of brings to mind of like, when did it start to, hit home for you like i mean you were just talking about wanting to be a pilot like how soon was it like actually i'm not going to do that i'm like into music now i'm into playing sax was it relatively quickly or um or, or did it take a little while before uh, you started mm -hmm. to kind of get that um that you know connection to music it was pretty quick honestly man. yeah it was uh, you know once i started it <laughs> it didn't sound like what i heard junior walker play so, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't actually work at this but um but it was just cool that it was like oh i can do this at least you uh -huh. know, I, mean, I felt like i could and um you know i, I there, there was something that just kept me you know, i had a good support system around me too my mom and family and stuff um yeah but there was just something that just clicked you know what i mean it was mm -hmm. just you know something that's a little more intangible it's like okay i feel it you know um and and so yeah yeah you know. did it come to you somewhat naturally or was it uh something that it just you had that ambition to just keep working towards because that was a little bit more of my case with music like I, I played drums and i was yeah definitely not good from the first time that i went and sat behind a drum set but there was something different about it that you know i played sports and junior high school or middle school or whatever. And I never really like took to it. But when I went behind drums, it's like, I'm going to play this every day, you know, and I'm going to just get better at it. And, you know, right. it's like me to where I am today. Was that something similar to you that you just kind of felt something different? You're like, I'm going to really work towards this or. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, a little, yeah, it was definitely that it was a little bit of both. I felt like okay. things did kind of it, it clicked in many ways. And one being, you know, kind of natural, in the sense yeah. that, you know, I was, you know, I don't know, I was hearing things and I was able to somewhat, you know, navigate. Yeah, I got you. And kind of play it on the sax. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I had so much to get together. Um, but yeah, I think it was just that just I just needed that little bit where I was like, all right, I'm going to work towards this. And, you know, eventually once college came around and, you know, all that that whole process, I was like, I'm, I'm going to major in music, and go to college for music, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so you went to Loyola in New Orleans, correct, to study. Uh, was it specifically jazz when you went there, or was it uh, mm -hmm. like a music program, or was it like jazz mm -hmm. studies? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, jazz studies. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when I first got there, it was music. I was doing music industry studies. Um, oh, okay. Which is a great program. It was just still a track in music, but it was more business oriented. Mm -hmm. um, and then the following year, I switched over to jazz studies. Mm hmm. 
what was your experience like there? I mean, it's obviously such a hub for jazz and just for music. Uh, mm-hmm. what, how did that, uh, how did that feel for you to be there? And then to, you know, was that like your first time even being, you know, like moved away, I would assume, um, like most college students and now you're in like the yeah. sound of jazz and in, in New Orleans and stuff like that. So, right. Right. Um, yeah, man, it was definitely yeah, my first time that far away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always wanted to get, you know, college was the opportunity for me to get away, you know, from Rhode Island, which I, I love now. It's where I'm from, it's where my family's from. But mm-hmm. I just always wanted to, you know, I'm a person who likes to explore and keep moving. So I'm like, let me let yeah. me go somewhere that's not familiar. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, little did I know New Orleans, um, you know, it's, it's so much history there. And it's a, it's a mecca for music and um, and obviously jazz. But more importantly, uh, a mecca for uh, black music. You know, in mm-hmm. terms of you know the history it has, yeah, in regards to the to the um, African American population community. Yeah, so it was uh, it it yeah it was a school in itself. Outside of the school, the city of New Orleans was like you know uh, definitely a training ground that I'm fully indebted to and thankful for. Yeah, and when did you start playing out? Was it like prior to heading down to, to school there, or um, I'm assuming when you were down there, you started, you know, like playing at, at the venues that are down there. Or just, I mean, there's so much that's happening, but when did you start playing? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, performing live. Man, I would, I mean, when I was here in Rhode Island, I was in Rhode Island, Rhode Island Philharmonic school, school of music and yep. like, the youth combos. Um, So, you know, they would set us up with a couple of gigs a year. So that was Mm -hmm. some of my first experiences of playing. But, yeah, my first, like, paid gig, um, you know, kind of just as an independent saxophone player, was around, like, sophomore year of Mm -hmm. college. Um, And, you know, that's when I got a taste of, um, you know, the everything that comes with pursuing music, you know, the lifestyle. yeah. You know, and sometimes for people, you know, that's not, they find out that's not what they want to do. You know, it's like, oh, I like music and, I, and yeah. I'm, here, I'm here playing, but, you know, to get out there and actually hustle and be yeah. a part of the scene and deal with some of the things that come with that, um, you know, it's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. look like that early on and I realized it's, you know, I'm in it. <laughs> this is uh, yeah, what I just I want to do, so. But yeah, so, I mean, you've got your master's at, URI correct and music as well. Can you yeah. talk about your experience there and like uh, a little bit about the the music program at, at URI University of Rhode Island? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I finished up in um, at Loyola um, 2011. I stayed an extra year, mm-hmm. uh, and then I wasn't really planning on coming back originally. I was I was I always toyed with going back to grad or going to grad school. Um, uh huh. But I figured I would at least give myself two years. Uh, New Orleans was even good to me after I graduated. I was playing gigs. I was able to support myself. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to get it over with. Um, and actually, a, a cat who's from the New England area, George Garzon, very well-known sax player in New England. He teaches at Berkeley. Um, mm-hmm. He did a master class at Loyola, and I took a lesson with him. And he yep. told me, he was just like, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea these days, especially if you want to do teaching or eventually get into the college system mm-hmm. to have that piece of paper, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. To, to get you in there because um, it don't even matter how good you play nowadays you have to you know people are looking for the, the piece of paper 
you know, and had a yeah, cleat. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought about it more. And then, um, yeah, I decided to go back home and go to URI. Um, URI, it was cool. I mean, the faculty there, I was studying with a guy, Jared Sims, at the time who was working there. He was great. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a, a, a challenging experience, but nevertheless, oh, really? it was fulfilling. Yeah, for me, I mean, just getting back into the back into the swing of things in terms of school and, and oh, okay. You know, and then in grad school was a lot of, uh, a lot of research, very research based. Um, mm-hmm. so I was trying to balance that and still keep up with the horn, oh, okay. um, you know, but, uh, but no, it was, it was, it was cool. It was solid. So I did yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. How much were you playing at that time? Were you like very focused on, on school then with, the amount of research and stuff or were you still playing live i was still able to i was still able to play live i was also coming back into the place that i'm from it started mm-hmm. but also a place i've been away from so long so i was kind of getting acclimated to the scene here in rhode island yeah um, furthermore new england you know trying to go to boston when i could yeah um, so it was good because it was it wasn't something that i had to like immediately get out there and and do i can kind of do it at my own pace mm-hmm. you know do my schoolwork, but then, you know, hang out at night when I can and go to this jam session. I'll meet this person. Um, yeah. You know, and I was living at home. So uh, financially it was cool mm-hmm. to kind of just take the time. But yeah, you know, as things went along, I was playing, I got the, I was playing more and more. So sometimes it became stressful, but yeah, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was fulfilling, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, it's a challenge, but at the end it's uh, you know, worth it. Yeah. What were some of the sessions you were hitting? Some of the, the jazz jams that you were. Uh, they had one in, Prov- one in Providence, downtown Providence called The Roots. Oh, um, yeah. OK. Yeah. That, that one I got introduced to early on when I moved back. Um, little ones here and there. There was um, used to go to Murphy's Law in Pawtucket uh-huh. going on. Um, a couple other ones that weren't jazz sessions, more like R&B or blues sessions. But um, yeah, I'll just try to go wherever, man. I mean, obviously Boston, Wally's. Uh, uh-huh. Then they had another place. Uh, the Lily Pad would do a session sometimes in Cambridge. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just try to get around wherever. Cool. You know, eventually making my way to, um, I don't know if this is, if I'm jumping gun, but eventually making my way to New York more so. Um, and then, you know, getting more affiliated uh, acclimated to the scene out there. Yeah. What was that you know, initial uh, pull to to New York? Like, what was, I mean, obviously it's a huge scene down there and stuff like that, but were you uh, connected with a particular musician that said, yo, you should mm-hmm. come down here? And, or, I mean, uh, like, how did New York come about for you? Yeah. I mean, I figured, um, you know, obviously you hear about, especially if you're a jazz musician, New York is like the capital, the jazz capital, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. I said, if I'm going to be back home, everything is, and that's cool thing about Rhode Island's in between, like, you know, mm-hmm. these um, two big cities, New York being the, the biggest, um, most prominent. And so, yeah, I had some friends down there, particularly one of my best friends, Alex, uh, bass player, Alex Tremblay, gave him a shout out. And um, he was, you know, he lived down there. So when I went down there, I had a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of my, you know, tour guy, showed me around, take me to the spots to hang at, you know, uh, the, uh, Smalls, we had um, Fat Cat, we had plenty of other sessions around. Um, 
uh, I mean, 55 bar didn't want I went, you know, go to sometimes. Um, all kinds of ones. All the ones in Brooklyn. I mean, anywhere you go, there's this stuff happening. Yeah. So I, I started falling in love with it. At first, I didn't think I would be into, you know, into New York, you know, like that. But the more people I met, the more sessions I went to, more more the musicians I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a place I got to frequent more often. And, yeah. uh, you know, eventually I moved there after I did after I finished grad school. And yeah. OK. And so, how long were you there for? I was just there for like a year, a little over okay. a year. Um, yeah. And, but that's how the quarter water thing started. And, you know. Yeah. How did you connect with that group? And yeah, can you talk a little bit more about, about that group since we're, you know, kind of yeah. hovering around <laughs> New York right now? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's great stuff. I think that it's uh, really interesting with, uh, what that band is doing. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I knew the bass player. Um, prior mm-hmm. we uh he's from boston and um we both were in new orleans at the same time he was at tulane right next door to Loyola. okay so we had a mutual friend that brought us together eventually um reconnected when i came back to rhode island um and we would i would jam at his house in boston and that was kind of the beginnings at that point he was kind of trying to start to form like you know essentially what became quarter water mm-hmm. uh, so once I moved to New York, you know, even before I went to New York, um, we were doing different things. I would come down. And when I moved there, he's like, oh, bro, you know, this is, you know, come to this session. I, I found this dope MC um, yeah. who um, goes by the name of Googie, who's our who's our MC of Quarter Water. And then we had other pieces, you know, how it started was not the pieces that it is now. But eventually, okay. eventually, you know, we had a guitar player. We went through different pieces and people. But um mm-hmm eventually it became what quarter water is now. And, um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty much Gabe's love child, the bass player, you know, he <laughs> began kind of building this, um, for a while and I was happy to be a part of it. So yeah, that's what it is now. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll actually be there this weekend. We're working on some new, um, recordings, some singles, a new music video. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And you have an EP correct flavors that, you did mm-hmm. with this group and, and then a handful of singles. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that what you're doing, it, it's, it adds a lot of, you know, texture to the sound, it, you know, definitely. Yeah. Blends the, the, the two of like hip hop and, and jazz in a way. And um, it's, it's really awesome what you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you, man. Yes. Every time we love and it feels just like this, like this, I wish, I wish, and every time we do it, it feels just like this. Like this. I wish, I wish, and every time we love and it feels just like this. Like this. It feels just like this. It feels. I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lima bean. That I could spread my wings. Nah. I wish that I had seven limbs. Yeah, that way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kinda understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. You know, like with regard to jazz itself, like when did you start? your bands um or you know start 
one of your bands because I know that you kind of perform at, at different times and trios and quartets and um, stuff like that. So like, when did you you know start your band or start composing uh, your own jazz music? Yeah. Um, gosh, trying to see how far I should go back. I get the <laughs> started playing when I was 14. So like 14. Yeah. <laughs> 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, no, I guess the, um, hmm. one of the most uh, significant ones was in college, a band that, um, or at least we call the EP we did current. No, what did we call that? Collective vision. Um, yeah. and it was kind of inspired as a group of my, um, classmates at the time at Loyola. And yep. we all inspired by uh, Brian Blade and the Fellowship. It's a band. Um, Brian Blade's a phenomenal jazz drummer. And, okay. Uh, he has this band called The Fellowship. And um, we all were inspired. He actually came to Leola and did a performance. And um, I mean, yeah, speechless. So made you like, want to quit school. Be like, that's it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. It's, yeah, it's, it's shit. But, um, but no, it was so beautiful. And the music was beautiful. It was like almost at first kind of trying to start a, uh, a Brian Blade and Fellowship uh, cover band, if you will. Wow, that's ambitious, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, we started with like getting some of his arrangements and just playing them. Yeah. Um, but that developed into like original. Eventually, we got into like doing original music. Cool. Yeah. Everybody from the band, you know, contributed and uh, were, were really good um, composers in their own right and yep. players. So that was something of, um, I guess, my first uh, project in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, my first band um, that actually did something. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, from there, I mean, like I said, I realized the music game is a hustle. So I was always trying to put together something, yeah. quartet, a trio, just to play, um, if it was just, even if it was just standards. But, you know, as well as trying to form different configurations to play like my own music and arrangements. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's it's all started sophomore year, I would say, of of college. Yeah. Okay. And who who are some of the folks that inspire your like your style of, of jazz? Like who who's informing what you're doing? I mean, you, you know, it's brought brought up that other artist, but who else are you, you know, kind of pulling some stuff from to create what you do? Yeah, man, so many. I want to say everybody. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the constant um rotation would be you know like john coltrane mm-hmm. uh, joe henderson um shouting out all sax players right now not to be biased but um <laughs> we're talking about you you can be as you know i talk about a lot of drummers all the time so. yeah 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 <laughs> you know there's so many inspiring musicians but in terms of like trying to direct my um my sound and my and, and the way i approach things maybe rhythmically or harmonically compositionally yep. You know, yeah, Train, Joe Henderson, even Wayne Shorter more recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, some guys, some, you know, um, current guys, like Walter Smith Third. I've been really digging. John Ellis was always a favorite of mine. Um, so, you know, cats like that. Even some mm-hmm. of the ones who, even, I mean, shoot, I should go way back to when, like, high school. I was listening to more, not necessarily straight ahead jazz, but, like, what they would call smooth jazz. So, okay. like, Grover Washington, Kirk Whalum. Um, people like that, um, Gerald Albright, you know, which is more like instrumental pop or R&B is what they were playing. Yeah, yeah. But it was, but their sound, you know, those particular plays in general, I always thought had such a profound sound and impassioned, um, you know, uh, sound. It's yeah. 
you know, that I wanted to achieve. So they were constantly on rotation as, you know, repeat, I should say as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, and Kenny Garrett. I can't forget about Kenny Garrett. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so who are some of the people that you play with, uh, like in your quartet right now, or who are some of the other folks that kind of circle in and out that are in your crew of, uh, you know, accompanists from bass players and keyboards and drums and stuff like that. Like, who do you usually? Right. Um, man, there's some, there's some uh, really good young players coming up. And um, I've lately been rotating a lot of them, um, mm-hmm. particularly a drummer, uh, Max Meether, uh, who goes to the Hart School, um, Jackie McLean Institute of Jazz in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, cool. another, another drummer who's new to Providence, who just graduated Juilliard. Uh, not long ago, uh, Cameron uh, McIntosh. Those have been some of the more recent ones. Bass players, uh, Conway Campbell, another mm-hmm. young fella who goes to hard school, great bass player. Matthew Marcus, um, a dear, dear friend um, who I um, like to get on keyboards. Yeah. Of course, my friend Alex Tremblay, due to the pandemic, there's a lot of guys I just haven't played with. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, who live in New York or elsewhere. But um, you know, I have a rotation, but those are some some of the some of the players I like to to keep in that rotation because you know they're uh, they're creative, yeah, and, you know, and I think they they have a lot to offer. Yeah, you know, so yeah, I know I know you do a lot of live shows. Do you have recordings of a lot? Of, like, uh, have you done a lot of studio work with your material? Not as much recently. Okay. Um, I have some stuff on YouTube, um, yeah. like music, like a music video I did about a couple of years ago of original tune. Yeah. Another one I wrote um, is uh, this this tune I wrote um, a few months ago this past summer, after mm-hmm. the incident um, or tragedy, I should say, with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was inspired by the many that occurred prior to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that's on on YouTube. It's called. Uh, Black Lives Maintain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm in the process of trying to write some other stuff, but kind of just been tied up with uh, quarter water stuff, um, mm-hmm. getting back to playing in general. Um, so I haven't been doing too much writing. And then also this new project um, with a tap dancer called uh, Roots and Rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, that started in um, through a grant I applied for, for Brown University. Mm-hmm. It was probably in, oh man, it might've been in April or May, but um, like many different organizations, um, there were a lot of uh, artist grants, artist relief funds being established, you know, due to COVID, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we all lost our work like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so Brown put out this one where it was a project, like you had a, um, apply and you had to have a project in mind that they would support and fund and also basically just give you money, you know, as, as a award. And mm-hmm. so anyhow, I applied to that. Uh, there, I think there were 10 of us who were chosen and uh, this cat Orlando Hernandez was one of the recipients um, like myself. Mm-hmm. And we met, we met over zoom, the cohort met through zoom and we met everybody. And um, there were a few people out of that cohort. I was, Opening and wa- hoping and wanting to do a collaboration with, I thought it would be cool and unique. Yeah, um, yeah. But me and Orlando connected after that through email and was just like, bro, you know, I, I like your stuff, what you're doing. 
Mm -hmm. I like where you're coming from. And so we connected that way. Long story short, um, eventually met in person and then um, began to uh, start putting things together, different ideas and concepts of how we can make something unique and cool, um, you know, out of a tap dancer and a saxophone player. Yeah. Know, collaboration. And, I mean, the basis too was he's coming from uh, an art form that is um, of Afri uh, African disparate tradition and culture. Mm -hmm. And so am I as a jazz player. And um, we're both trying to draw and hone in on representing that uh, ethnic group, you know, okay. as, as a um, kind of a uh, necessary part of the development of the Americas, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and he's of Puerto Rican descent. So some things he's done in the past was try, uh, try to shed light on um, indigenous and African presence in Puerto Rico, you know, uh -huh. and, and so we had so we had so many, um, you know, uh, commonalities with our with our work and our concepts that it was like, okay, we definitely have to try to do yeah. something. And so it's been it's been man, it's been a great learning experience. It's been fun. Um, he's a talented and very impassioned um, cat. So things have come together in a very unique and you know inspiring way like it's just something i want to keep doing and building so we've mm -hmm. been doing doing different things yeah i mean it's definitely like a really interesting use of rhythm and sound and yeah. just everything that uh but yeah i i mean how was that that process is it uh, an improvised or like is it improvisational pieces are you connecting mm -hmm. on on certain uh elements and like i'd love to just hear a little bit more about how you're combining that and then even just a little bit more about um yeah i mean it sounds like it's something that this is um you know a mechanism for for highlighting this this important story um but like how else are you getting the you know that piece of the message out to people uh, from these performances yeah yeah man i mean it's been like both a lot of like just improvising, coming together mm -hmm. and seeing what works. You know, he may mm -hmm. come with an idea, like a rhythm, you know, he's a tap dancer, so he'll tap it out. And uh, eventually I may hear some kind of, you know, melodic motive. Yeah. And um, and we kind of just expand. It's like, it's so organic in the in the moment that sometimes, you know, we get taken away and like, oh, wait, this is a rehearsal. Like we, we, <laughs> just, we just go and it's, uh, you know, so now we've been recording our rehearsals because I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is that that we did? Yeah. Um, so a lot of that is it's very organic and in the moment. It's it's you know, cool. but then we get together and just do some tunes. Like you know, I mean, there's a long history with tap dance and jazz. You know, mm -hmm. going back to the 30s and 40s and 50s. So there's repertoire that he knows and that we both know. You know, mm -hmm. um, and so we'll just do that and, and trying to hone in and draw back to the tradition of these mm -hmm. offerings. But yeah, man, I mean, for one, one instance is um, through Brown University, we got to do a thing called Remaking the Real um, that was supported through the Brown Arts Initiative. And it would have been on Brown University's campus, but obviously with COVID, uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't be on campus. So we did it all virtual. Um, it's now on YouTube. It's also in their archives on Brown, at the, the Brown University um, website. Mm -hmm. And it's called... Uh, like I said, remaking the real "Pass Me Not" is the name of the project. Okay, and that's one of our first major productions, if you would say, mm -hmm. where um, you know people can get the gist of 
kind of where we're coming from and where we're trying to go conceptually. Yeah. Um, it's part of its performance, part of its an interview, uh, like we're doing a discussion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I thought it came out really, came out pretty hip. So that's right. Yeah. 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 So we just been doing different things like that, man, just trying to find, develop projects and then, you know, find people that will, uh, fund them, <laughs> support them. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, we go from there. to other shows like what are some of the major places that you played in rhode <clears throat> island i know that you just recently did a live stream with with your group uh the quartets at the parlor which was phenomenal um and you know again I'd, I'd heard your name but uh seeing you that night it was yeah it was fantastic so um and that's through a computer, you know. So I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you should actually see me, not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm appreciative. Any, any, you know, any ears or eyes I get these days, you know. Yeah, but you know what the the parlor has done to upgrade their system and and have their live stream. It's it's uh, it's they're doing a great job with that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, can you just shout out some other places that you you know typically play with with some of the the jazz stuff or Mm-hmm. Um, where yeah. people see jazz, uh, uh, like pre-pandemic, but where can people see jazz? Where can people see you play? You know. Yep, definitely. Yeah, the Paula, like you said, is is one that I'm excited that happy for them that they've uh, come back and um, they're such an important part of the music scene here in uh, mm-hmm. Florida. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see, Cortland Club. Um, yep. Pre-pandemic, but also, um, as I just mentioned earlier, they're uh, opening their doors back up, yep. and um, that place is 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 a it's kind of like being in a New York, um, you know, jazz club or something underground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, where's they, that located? I've, I haven't. Um, yeah, it's it's right right on Cortland um, Cortland Street, uh, right off of Broadway, like um, West End, Federal Hill area. Oh, cool. Okay. Providence. It's um, it, it's it's right in a very residential neighborhood. It kind of looks like an apartment. So, um, yeah, like a speakeasy type thing. Or <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool. It was like an old bakery back in the day or something. Nice. Uh, and he made it into a really hip place. So, uh, that that place is definitely hip and a vibe. Um, mm-hmm. The Ale House I play it every month. It's a cigar lounge. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the third Friday of every month. Um, okay. 
but that, you know, they do music every weekend. Um, a place that's fairly new is the George. I haven't played there yet, but I know they're kind of like a piano bar slash mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, so they have music going on, I think, every weekend and throughout the week. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like a piano, um, just piano solo piano or duos. Um Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, a lot of places, I think, you know, because of what we went through, um, especially as it gets warmer, I've got to be doing music more than we probably seen in the past. Um, yep. So I've got so many inquiries, you know, from just different bars, um, even doing stuff outside, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eddie was a place, uh, the co- cocktail bar that I was doing stuff this past summer. Cool. Um, you know, outside. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's stuff going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but one thing I'd love to hear a little bit more about as I was, you know, getting ready for this and you talked about Roots and obviously that place changed quite a bit, but you did a, their Jazz Revelation series at Aurora for a while. What was um, that show? You know, I mean, or, or what was happening with that? That was, that was really cool. That was, uh, you know, something special that was put together by uh, Peter and Marina. Um, and, uh, they moved here, I think not quite sure, but five or so years ago from Missouri, you know, okay. retired and, uh, they were just jazz lovers, jazz enthusiasts who wanted to, you know, help out in any way they could with the scene. Yep. So they, kind of, they got a grant and kind of put that series together. So yeah, I've done it a few times. It, it was, uh, it was cool because it was, you was able to really put something together you know, a concept, a project, a theme, and go yep. in there, perform for people um, who brought tickets to camp, to come, who brought tickets to see it. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and it gave it gave an outlet and a voice to many artists within the area and community. You know, it wasn't just sometimes you do, you know, as you may know, as a musician, you do gigs or you got to do gigs to, to uh, you know, eat. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> you don't always get to do, you know, maybe gigs that are the most fulfilling to you um, uh-huh. musically or creatively, you know, creatively. Yep. But, um, you know, this was a series that, that uh, fed off of that. That's what yeah. they were going for. Like, it was, like, it was yeah. more open format of like, just come and play, you know, like if it's under the jazz umbrella, if you want to do some, you know, right. more right. avant-garde stuff, go for it. If you want to do, yeah. you know, some, uh, yeah, it's just, we're, we're looking to let you explore. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was yeah, that was a cool thing going on at that time. Yeah. Well, I know you also teach, and uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, the lessons that you offer, um, and you know, you know, let you kind of let anyone that's listening know it of of how to to hit you up for that. And I'm assuming you're still kind of staying busy with that, as some of the other people. I know, or, you know, maybe doing some stuff over Zoom or whatever else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you've got that piece of paper. It sounds like you're using it, you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, trying to, still trying to use it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, can you talk about, uh, you know, the, the lessons that you offer and, and, and uh, you know, what you're looking to, to kind of teach, you know? Is, is it specifically jazz that you're looking to, to teach people, or are you – teaching more of a broad uh, instruction on, on the saxophone or. or yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, thinking of so many different, um, well, 
it's been a, it's been some of both. Like uh, mm-hmm. for instance, with the Rhode Island Philharmonic, I teach through them. Um, yep. So sometimes you you know you get students who beginners, intermediate level, want to learn classical, just want to learn um, uh, marching band music. Yep. Learn jazz, want to learn rock. So you know you, you have to you try to accommodate their skills and their needs. Um, but me as like a, a private teacher of my own, mm-hmm. um, I particularly like to hone in on students who are trying to learn or at least dabble with jazz um, mm-hmm. or popular music, um, who really want to get a solid foundation on the saxophone in terms of its, uh, in terms of, I say, the physics of the saxophone and learning the instrument. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I go wherever. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I mean, honestly, I like doing like master classes. I've done a good amount of those in the last few years. Yeah. Um, going to middle schools, high schools, colleges, and um, just kind of giving a lecture or a program on I different, gotcha. you know. Yeah. Um, so I really want to focus in on students who are inspired and, you know, even if they don't want to pursue such or they find out they don't want to pursue such as a career um you know students who are looking to get something out of it and Mm -hmm. and and really um invest their time at least in that moment Mm -hmm. so uh, but yeah i offer a half hour and hour hourly lessons um yeah i've done some zoom obviously with these times zoom um in person is still an option though uh yeah you know i'll be fully vaccinated um in a couple of weeks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. and people can find out more information on my website too about private lessons. Yeah, that's uh, LelandBaker.com, correct? Yes, sir. Yep, cool. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, a big thing that I wanted to talk about is that you are the founder of Bridging Gaps, which is you know a great program that you know, circles around music and education and everything like that. So yeah, I'd love for you to, to talk about the beginnings of that, that program or, um, and, and, you know, what you're looking to achieve with it and, and how people can engage and connect with it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. I haven't thought about the beginnings um, in a while, but it actually started in New York um, okay. I was playing in the subway and busking. And this guy was coming around taking pictures um, and afterwards, you know, complimented us playing with a friend and gave me his card and was like, you know, you know, this is what I like to do on the side, but I'm also the, um, director of arts by the people. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a nonprofit organization based in New Jersey. And, um, it took, man, it was a while, it was months before I even hit him up. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things you kind of throw to the side and move along. <laughs> and I, I found it, you know. Eventually one day and I, I said, oh man, let me check the website out. I checked the website out and it was really hip because what he was doing was getting artists of different mediums and getting them to do different programs, different mm-hmm. uh, maybe master classes, performances that were education. Um, that was, um, that had an educational base, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I started thinking about like, how can I, you know, and part trying to hustle and figure out like I need to try to get as much work as I can in New York City. Yeah. Um, so what could I put together that is, you know, worth it, you know, that that somebody could 
you know, maybe dig. And I just started thinking, like, you might have gotten this too. You know, if you perform, you say you have a gig or something, and you perform and, you know, you have somebody who comes up who compliments you or likes what you did. Mm-hmm. And then they start asking these questions. And, and it's like, I don't think about this stuff. To me, it's like simple. <laughs> like, I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, uh, but for me, I'm like, okay, how can I explain, at least with jazz and improvisation, yeah. it, to the, it to the laid person, to the person mm-hmm. who's not a musician, who's not a, let alone jazz musician, who's not a musician, maybe a jazz listener, but not a historian or enthusiast. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we break it down without, without, you know, offending or watering down the music in the process, mm-hmm. you know, without watering down the, the creative spirit of jazz and, you know, the, it's organic uh, spirit. And um, that was kind of the start, like bridging gaps. Let me, how, how can I bridge that gap between the audience and the musicians on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyhow, I um, introduced this, this concept to Paul, was the guy's name. And um, he was like, yeah, you know, put this, that and together for me and blah, 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 blah. So I ended up tweaking things, putting, you know, putting the, uh, the concepts together, trying to make it more definitive. And long story short, I did some of my first bridging gap um, programs and master classes or slash lectures with arts by the people. Okay. Yeah. So, but when I came to Rhode Island, it was, I kind of like, you know, pulled it apart and, you know, um, refigured it because now I'm like trying to get education grants uh, mm-hmm. say through RISCA. So now it's about, well, how about we bridge the gap between um, artists, you know, mm-hmm. like, somebody of different mediums. Like for instance, what I'm doing with Orlando, a tap dancer and a jazz musician. Yeah, I got you, yeah. How do you, how, how does one perceive improvisation? How does improvisation um, act or is taken um, into context within this medium versus that medium, you know? Yeah. Uh, different things. And it just kept snowballing. That's like, okay, now let's do <laughs> bridging gaps between um, young artists or inspiring musicians and, um, in the process of uh, creativity and expression mm-hmm. through jazz, yeah, or something else. Yeah. So, is it usually through these lessons or lectures that that you accomplish that, or like, and, and where do these lessons typically take place? Are you bringing them into schools, or are you mm-hmm. like, how are you, um, how are you going about that? Yeah, so I, two years ago now, I got a grant um, from Risca to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I did a Bridging Gaps um, series at TAPA, Trinity Academy of Performing Arts. Okay. Yeah, Arts High School, downtown Providence. And um, I was there for a year. Um, I got two separate grants, so I was able to be there for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And um, others I've done in like CCRI, um, Brown University, just like classes. Um, okay. Just like one master class or a lecture. Uh, Cranston-East, you know, different high schools around the yep. state um but tapa we was able to like focus on uh kind of bridging that gap with kids who maybe are you know aspiring artists musicians um but bridging that gap with the uh, them not having the resources or but the access to um maybe pull in these different concepts these yeah. different Know, creative ways to go about um, achieving their their artistic goal and vision. You know, mm-hmm. like for instance, like we took them to New York. We, could, we took them to Jazz at Lincoln Center, 
where they received a um, a clinic masterclass from the Lincoln Jazz, you know, Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. Oh, okay. Um, at least wow. some of the members within the orchestra. So that was something new for the kids. It blew their mind. Like <laughs> some of the stuff that I like, you know, um, some of the mainstream music I'm listening to today, you know, whether it's hip hop or R and B. Yep. I'm now seeing like references from like jazz. I'm now, you know, it, it jazz is not just like this old music that some 90 year old man on the corner plays or something, you know, these yeah. <laughs> you know, the concept of, of, of what it is, is, is very, um, you know, commercial, I guess, societal. Mm-hmm. So kind of, kind of bridge that gap and draw them to realize the parallels yeah. with, with the music they listen to are inspired by in jazz. It's kind yeah. of like the DNA of all American music, essentially, you know. Or I would say, I know I would say the blues is the DNA of American music, but jazz being a, a sponge, you know, it soaked that up and it gave off to to where we have all these different uh, genres of music that kind of reference jazz, you know, to yeah, you know, today, yeah, yeah. Still today, I should say. I'm just trying to uh, to give off what I know and feel as of now. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool thing too. It gets a little. It's open. It's not. You know, I'm not trying to go by a book. Yeah, so I, yeah. This is this person exists because this person exists, and this is you know like right, it's right. Just like it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is who did jazz. Uh, this is where it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, I want I want discussion and open mindedness and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's what that kind of project offers. Um, yeah, bridge. just trying to create understanding um, between whatever it is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. But yeah. Um, so yeah, Leela, I just have one more question for you. Um, you know, what would you say is your greatest musical accomplishment up to this point um, with everything that you've done from, you know, performance and education and everything like that? Is there, you know, something that, that kind of stands out to you? <laughs> As of now, just being able to survive and keep keep moving forward, you know, with yeah. my, with my passion and you know what was originally um, still is, you know, still all part of the same dream. But mm-hmm. just kind of thinking, like you know, going back to that fourteen year old self, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, and then looking at now where I'm at, uh, it's like you know I'm still not where I want to be, but I've come so far, and so mm-hmm. I'm just thankful for that. Um, so that in itself is a accomplishment um but yeah. yeah there's just been some people i've met along the way who have become great friends who have became mentors um great performances i was able to see or be a part of so mm-hmm. yeah i'm thankful for all of it man yeah you know. that's big i mean if you're able to do this and uh it's it was always a goal of mine and just being able to go and do it you know i mean that's an interesting thing because yeah well i mean at least for me shoot for the stars be like i want to be on tv i want you know but right. getting to do it getting to play live and tour and sell records and stuff like that and and um you know with what you're what you're doing i mean you're making an impact you're out there just doing the work and and it's not going unnoticed you know like i i, I see that stuff at least for me i can see how much you're out there and i love what you're doing the creativity that you bring to to this and you're doing a great job of um, you know, just keeping jazz alive in, in Rhode Island in a sense as well, too, you know, like um, uh, with your generation of it, uh, I think this is key because there's a, a 
big lineage of jazz in Rhode Island from places like Bovies and, you know, right. what John Allmark's doing and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, it's great um, to see what, what you're doing and, and how you're keeping that stuff alive. So thank you yeah yeah thank you. but yeah leland thanks so much for your time it was awesome to get to learn a little bit more about you and you know all the different avenues that you uh go down with with regard to music man so this is really cool thank you so much james yeah thank you for having me man Bye. Uh-huh.